I uh, am post-tax season confused about life right now. (laughs) It takes a little while. It takes a little while for me to come back online. I'm Jamie O'Kane, CPA, small business advanced tax planning and compliance extraordinaire. And this is the Abundant Beans Podcast, the podcast that takes my love for learning what makes people tick while digging into the good, bad, and ugly of small business ownership. We strive to give you the insight that only those in the trenches of being and working with entrepreneurs can provide. All right. So today we're going to welcome to the podcast, Jared. Oh no. How do I say it? <laughs> Jared's VWAC. Uh, Jared is the founder and lead strategist of Blue, Blue Dog Media, a mark, I'm sorry, a boutique marketing agency that helps service-based businesses, mainly law firms, acquire more clients through search engine marketing. The goal, the goal of Blue Dog Media is simple, to make clients more money as quickly and efficiently, efficiently as possible. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no bio readings going well today. <laughs> that is uh, that is perfectly fine. <laughs> I always tell people I can't read out loud very well. My kids are always like, "Mom, read to me," and I'm like, "How about you read to me?" <laughs> <laughs> I've got like ten minutes of that in my kids. Um, so, kind of, so tell us what was your first job? Ooh, so couple ways you could look at it <laughs> you could look at it as the first way I ever made money mm-hmm. which was when I was in fifth grade I would write short stories and then sell them to my classmates for a dollar a copy so that was the first thing I love it uh, the second thing was when I was 14 I started writing online for about less than a penny a word mm-hmm. as kind of my official quote-unquote start in the the online world um and in the kind of the interim from there, I, my mom worked at a retirement home mm-hmm. and she got me a job there as a dishwasher. And I worked there for a couple months. I've only had a couple W2 jobs in my entire life, a couple months as a dishwasher, a couple months as a, um, uh, what's it called? Not a, a couple months as a busser at a diner. Mm-hmm. Um, I did about a little over a year in corporate marketing after that. And then I was on my own. So I've only had like two years of W2 work experience. It sounds like you started your entrepreneurial journey real early. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair to say. A dollar a story sounds like a really good start. <laughs> um, my daughter actually, a couple, it was like two years ago. So she's 10 now. So she had to be like seven or eight at the time. So she's like third grade. She sold she had like a little bag of Cheetos or something and she somehow sold it to one of her classmates for like 20 bucks. Like I, and like my mother-in-law was like, should we call the mom or like, should we like, what do we do? And I was like, good job, kid. Like, I don't know (laughs) what to do. Like they made a deal. Like we have to respect their deal. And then I was just like, was that a fair price? And like, we talked about that. I was like, but like his priority for that money was obviously the, that little tiny bag of Cheetos. And it just shows you that people have different priority, mo- like money priorities. So we were talking about that. And it was just like this whole, like, you know, my, my, my mother-in-law was like, well, we need to call the mom and give the money back. And I was like, I'm not getting in the middle of this deal. <laughs> <laughs> if they come back to us, we'll talk about it. But he must've really wanted that bag of Cheetos or she must've really sold it. Well, I don't know which. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the um, the sales process right there. Yeah, like how did that <laughs> go down? How'd that go down, babe? <laughs> she was like, "Well, yeah, that's I, you know, 
I told them they could have it. And they were like, okay, <laughs> you know, whatever. Probably start somewhere. Yeah. So tell us about your career, about your career journey. How did you get into marketing? And Yeah. So I've been interested in business for as long as I can remember mm-hmm. um, from when I was, when I was eight, I was, I've always been a big gamer as well. So when mm-hmm. I was eight, uh, I was mostly playing like flash games on the computer and my favorite games to play were always business and tycoon related games or like business management games. And that's kind of like odd, I guess I could say, but I think that kind of started off with me having like the overall interest in it. And then mm-hmm. when I was 14, I, so I graduated, uh, I started college at 15, graduated high school at 16. The year discrepancy there is because I ended up getting screwed by the school, but that's a whole different story. And so I was like, okay, great. I need to figure out how to make money. Mm-hmm. I was 14 at the time when I knew that I was going to graduate early. And so I can't get a job around here until you're six. Uh, I think 15 technically is when you can get hired around here, mm-hmm. uh, but most places won't hire you until you're 16. So I was like, okay, great. I had to figure out how to make money. So I Googled, how do you make money online? not a very reliable source of information, but that eventually led me to writing online. And I found a website called Hire Writers where most people who sign up for that tend to be foreign and it tends to be like, hey, get a lot of cheap content. Mm -hmm. And so being a native English speaker, it was pretty easy for me to find work there. It was very cheap writing, like less than a penny a word, but I was decent at putting words together for what people wanted. Mm -hmm. But what everybody wanted was SEO content. Because everyone was just, hey, put these keywords in this 100-word piece of content X amount of times and then send it over. Mm-hmm. No idea really why. I didn't really figure out why that was until someone wanted me to write a piece about SEO, like how you do SEO and whatnot. <sighs> I had no idea. I had to research it. So that got me into understanding what this was and why I was doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really develop any interest into that. So this is where it gets a little bit long. So I'll try to no, talk a little fast here. But so this eventually led into me not really caring too much about it. I did a little bit of writing. I also worked on Craigslist for a bit as kind of like a gig worker where someone needed something, I would do it. Someone needed a math tutor. Great. I was a math tutor. Someone needed a, as funny as it sounds, someone needed a business coach. Well, I was the 15 year old that showed up and said, Hey, I'm your business coach. Uh, <laughs> someone needed a writer or editor for their book. Then I guess I was a writer or an editor for their book, just whatever mm-hmm. it was so that got me very comfortable with, uh, sales to a certain aspect. I didn't really make money because most of these people that were looking for stuff were looking there because they didn't have money to pay anybody. Mm -hmm. And so it was just a couple bucks here and there, whatever it was. And then eventually I let all that by the wayside after I was, I was going to school for my marketing degree, uh, pretty either right before I started there or no, I was already in college at the time. So I was already in college. And then I got, uh, I was filling out resumes for marketing jobs. Most marketing jobs when you have a, it's one of those hilarious uh, requirements where they want you to have a four-year degree, 10 years of experience, know everything under the sun of every marketing channel. They want you to know communication skills. They want you to know programming and they want to pay you 25 grand a year. So it's just one of those. But they want you to pay them 25 grand a year. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just a big discrepancy between the actual role and the Mm -hmm. HR department. So Mm -hmm. Eventually, I finally managed to get an interview somewhere with a local, uh, well-known uh, real estate corporation. They own most of the well-known buildings in mm-hmm. my area. So everyone in the area knows them. I was like, okay, great. This is a great opportunity. They hired me as their quote-unquote social media person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they d- couldn't even know they could hire me legally. I was only 17 at the time. They had to clear it with uh, uh, someone uh 
above in the company. So I was hired there at 17 uh, as a quote unquote intern. And it was one of those not legal internships. Yes. We call them an intern so we don't have to really pay them much. Uh So nothing that was actually in the job description is anything what I did. My role was very, it was mostly managing uh, the marketing activities of basically like posting on Craigslist (laughs) for the property managers, which Mm -hmm. I was very familiar with Craigslist. So yeah, you're like, I got uh, this. Yeah, that was part of it. Then every once in a while, something else was thrown my way. But over after about six, seven months there, I started uh, freelancing again on the side a little bit. Uh, Actually, this might've been closer to about a year there, to be Mm -hmm. honest. So after some amount of time, I knew that I wasn't going to be there for very long. My uh, kind of any aspirations for like moving up or whatever were just completely shot down all the time. There was only like two people in the entire marketing team, me and my boss. So not a whole lot of room to move up there unless they wanted to essentially create a new position for me. Mm-hmm. And overall, I just wasn't really having it. It wasn't really for me. So I started freelancing online. I started to uh, look uh, look up again, you know, what was all this SEO stuff? What was this? What was that? I also started doing a lot of other stuff. So I started learning more about social media. I started learning more about SEO. I started mm-hmm. learning more about uh, advertising, started learning more about programming, so on and so forth. So I was uh, mainly at the time learning online marketing and also like programming just because I have a, a good interest in it. Mm-hmm. So I was learning how to build websites. I was taking programming and scripting courses. I was uh, working for $5 an hour on a site called Upwork because I signed up. I was like, okay, great. Who's going to hire me if I don't have any experience? So only work for five bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, over time, that eventually moved up to a little bit more and more money. Mm-hmm. Over about a three to six month period, I started a web development company. After three months, I was like, yeah, this isn't something I'm interested in. Haven't touched web development for client services yet. Still interested Mm -hmm. in development, just not interested whatsoever in working with clients in that relationship. (laughs) But over time, uh, just developed more and more SEO skills mainly. Uh, Then I got an offer uh, from an agency to work with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it was double the hourly rate as a, as being a freelancer for them. So I quit the agency job, was now working from home, working double there. Uh, about a year later, started doing more and more freelancing work. Eventually my client work went from, oh, my agency work went from full-time to part-time down to mm-hmm. no time. I was like, okay, great. Have all these clients. What's next for me? Guess I'll start my own agency. And that was about two years ago. That's awesome. So tell us, um, so tell us about Blue Dog and what you guys do and who you work with. Yeah. So uh, as you said at the beginning, we're a boutique marketing agency. What that means is we only work with a handful of clients at a time rather Mm -hmm. than the more traditional um, volume model. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we work with a very limited number of clients, focus on service-based businesses. About 50-60% of our clients tend to be law firms Mm -hmm. just because, not that we necessarily focus on reaching out to that market. It's just as I just have a lot of experience with legal marketing and they're Mm -hmm. Or when these law firms are looking for people to work with, most of the people that they're talking to don't have that experience. So it's a lot easier for me to talk to, with them about bar regulations and how cases work and stuff like that. So it's just mm. easier kind of, basically if someone reaches out to me, their law firm typically they end up going with me uh, just because again, the experience thing. So service-based businesses, the services that we provide are SEO, ranking mm. organically on Google and Google ads, PPC, which is paid ads on Google. Those are the two things that we do because those mm-hmm. are the two things that we're good at. Don't believe in the full service model. And at the end of the day, the only thing we care about is what is the client paying us and what are we getting them in return for that? I don't mm-hmm. care about anything in between. That's awesome. So so let's talk about marketing with um, service-based businesses because I am one <laughs> and we work with a lot of them. You know, what are the biggest, some of the biggest mistakes that you see that 
that most service-based businesses make like in like their growth, their marketing growth. Um, you know, really a lot of it is about online now, you know, that no like so address stuff. Yeah. There's three big things that I would say um, are mistakes and we can dive into any, which ones you want, but one is not tracking things mm-hmm. where most can't track a click back to revenue, meaning that most service-based businesses cannot say, okay, great. Of the $2 million we did this quarter, this year, this whatever period of time, mm-hmm. how, what percentage of that was because of Google ads? What percentage of that was because of PPC? What percentage of that because of this, that, and so on forth. So first is actually tracking where things are coming from. Mm-hmm. The reason why this is such a big issue is that it's really hard to determine if one, your investments are paying off, but two, where you should pull back investments from, but also double down on investing into. Mm-hmm. Next, uh, so tracking is part of that. Mm-hmm. Next is understanding the every key aspect of what actually generates an ROI mm-hmm. and focusing on more than just traffic and conversions. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is very maybe at most 40% of your marketing ROI actually comes from your marketing Mm -hmm. because here's what happens for you to have to make money for the average service-based business. You have to get that click. Let's just say advertising. You get that click from your ad and then they go to your website, landing page, whatever. Now that landing page website has to convert them into a lead. Now your sales team has to convert that lead into a customer. Mm -hmm. Now your fulfillment team has to fulfill on whatever it is that you promised that customer and they also, you have to also retain that customer to make sure that you make multiple transactions from them, assuming that's the type of business that you have. You have to make sure you're getting referrals from that customer, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So until you actually sign that deal, until you actually get money from that customer, you know, you haven't made any sort of ROI and how long you keep that customer has a massive difference on it. There's a really big difference of, you know, if let's say you're a, uh, a landscaping company or wherever it may be. If you're for your lawn maintenance clients, if you're retaining them for six months, there's a big difference in how much that customer is worth for you compared to if you're retaining them for two years. So a lot of people don't really think about that. Everyone thinks of, okay, great. How can you get more clicks? How can we get more uh, conversions? Uh, oftentimes when I talk with people, very rarely do they think of, let me listen to some of our sales calls and see where our team is falling short. Let me see how I can increase my profit margins. Let me see how I can increase my, uh, you know, my customer lifetime value mm-hmm. for, because that makes our overall ROI of every activity we do in order to generate money more profitable. So that's number mm-hmm. two. The third thing is for, especially those who aren't used to online marketing, is just hiring whoever comes up first or whoever gives them the lowest dollar amount because mm-hmm. it's, you know, if, if you're buying a TV, you know, maybe that's a good strategy. Uh, but often, I would say nine times out of 10, the people that I'm talking to have been burned one, two, three, sometimes more times. Sometimes they haven't even realized that it's been an issue until you dive in there and you're like, hey, you've been spending hundreds of dollars a month on people looking for free or DIY stuff where it would take two seconds for anyone who knows what they do to save you that money. So that's the third thing that I just run into is, uh, unfortunately, a lot of my conversations where people are going out or talking about what the bad stuff that has happened beforehand has happened to them. Well, you know, I think that happens in any service-based business, but like, you know, you were talking about number two, which is like all of this time and effort and money and, you know, what goes into actually converting from a click Mm -hmm. to a client. Um, I know for a lot of service-based businesses, especially this little tiny one, you know, one to five men shows, the owners are just like, 
<laughs> you know, like we're just like, ah, oh, we're so tired, yeah. you know, like what, so how do you guys help streamline that process? Um, and you said you guys are a boutique size firm. So do you generally work with other boutique size service businesses? So most of our clients tend to be between one and 5 million a year. The size of the company really depends on the industry of one to 5 million a year, uh, mm -hmm. roofing business. Sometimes that's like a one person business mm -hmm. where a one to 5 million a year, you know, landscaping business, you know, that's, you know, that's much, much bigger than that typically. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, typically, uh, the businesses when, whether or not their boutique is, I'm trying to under trying to figure out how to answer this in mm -hmm. the most concise way possible, <laughs> but also make it understandable. Yeah. Um, some are smaller, some are it really comes down to the sophistication of their marketing and their business knowledge. Mm -hmm. There are businesses who are a couple people, not because that's where they found that they do their best work. Mm -hmm. And because they have a very specific growth plan, mm -hmm. it's because they don't know how to grow. Uh, you know, there are some times where we start working with businesses and we find out through call tracking that they don't answer 40% of their calls. So, and that's why they're having growth issues. So um, typically it's not so much the size of the business that I'm looking at as much as the sophistication and the knowledge, because I wor I've worked with fairly sizable businesses mm -hmm. that go, okay, great. You know, we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on TV ads, but talking about how we can help scale their, you know, whatever objective it is by going from five grand to 7,500 and spend in AdWords. And it seems like, whoa, that's way too much money to spend because they're so stuck in that their sophistication mm -hmm. on the internet uh, or in online marketing isn't there. And then that's very difficult for us to make progress on where there are other companies that we start that we'll work with that are newer, but they have a higher level of understanding with this and they just can get it. And it's very easy to work with them. It's very easy to get them results because they get it. I, mm -hmm. I don't know if that was a good enough explanation. No, but it no, I think business by business. No, I think that's important. It's important to, to know that if you're turning up your marketing, you have to answer your calls or you have to understand how it's like how that process works. I and I think that's, I mean, that's where I always get caught up in like how the marketing process works because I'm super process oriented. So I'm always just like, oh, there's going to be all these phone calls. Mm, not real sure I want that. <laughs> Who's going to answer those phones, right? right? So I think it's, you know, understanding like how, you know, how do we want these people to come in and how do we build the system to, you know, without the wrong people or things like that, especially if we have boutique sized businesses like you and I, you know, I only want those super qualified leads. <laughs> I don't even want to, I don't even want to know about the other ones. <laughs> um, awesome. So, so let's talk about SEO because I think it's an important topic that it, like a lot of people seem to have different, different takes on. So I'll talk to people and they'll be like, local SEO is really important. And then I'll talk to others. It's like, eh, if you're virtual and you're like nationally based, do you really need local SEO? So can you kind of talk about how SEO works and like really what's important to build SEO? Sure. So do you want the, I'm trying to, how do I, do you want the kind of what you'll find when you Google what is SEO or do you want <laughs> the kind of the back end like, oh, this is how complicated this really is? Yeah. Uh, can you give me the like middle version? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Okay. So whether or not SEO is going to be needed for every business is mm -hmm. going 
to really depend on what they're going after. For some, it's mm-hmm. going to be a channel that they're just never going to make progress on realistically, mm-hmm. where I was talking to someone, we have a client that they're more business savvy, so they're willing to take bigger risks. But we looked at their marketplace and we said, yeah, your competitors, you're probably looking at three to five years before you're going to see much of anything with this channel. It's mm-hmm. very mature. The people who are investing in it in your space are going at it very, uh, very aggressively. Other times it's, you know, you're going to be in markets where there's not a whole lot of search volume. If you, if your business is based in a town of 5,000 people, but your main target market is in a different city. If you're trying to rank uh, your Google maps, you're just not going to be able to do it. It's very proximity based. Uh, So there are some factors, whether or not how viable it's going to be for each individual business, Mm -hmm. but everybody you talk to is going to give you different answers about uh, Google and SEO and how it works for a couple Mm -hmm. of different reasons. One, nobody knows how it fully works because Google doesn't tell us that. And because of that, not only Thank you that, for admitting we, that. <laughs> and we also have this issue of when Google tells us things, sometimes a lot of those things have actually been disproven. And sometimes Google contradicts itself as well. So it's, there's a lot of different people saying a lot of different things. Everybody's doing their own tests, finding different conclusions. So for example, there are things that uh, people in the local SEO space uh, promote quite a bit right now, such as building links to your Google My Business profile. From all the testing that I've done, I've never seen it have any sort of positive impact. So you, so it's very, whoever you talk to, you're going to get different answers about different things. Maybe we'll agree on 30, 40, 50, 60%, but no one's going to agree on everything. Google literally changes the algorithm multiple times a day. In 2018, they made over 3,500 changes to their algorithm. It's changing constantly. To give you a very uh, quick idea of how this uh, looks, uh, imagine a dial like you might find on your stove, mm-hmm. and this dial goes from zero to 10. And that is each dial is a ranking factor. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, let's say if you, you, know, you have, you know, this is a good bad example, but let's say you have to have uh, images on your website, right? Mm-hmm. So Google wants to see that you have you know, images on your website because it makes it more engaging or whatever it may be. So if you don't have any images, that dial is going to be pretty far down. You have an image or two, you know, that dial might be in the middle. You really, you know, you have this beautiful page and maybe it's, you know, really high up there. And, you know, that dial goes from zero to 10, whatever it is, you have a score that comes off of that, you know, a five, a six, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Now, the way that Google works is whoever has the highest score shows up first. That's now we don't know what actually contributes to the score fully. So this is how complicated it gets. Uh, as quick as I can explain as well, no, too technical. I think this is great. I is love it. There are each dial represents one ranking factor. Mm-hmm. There are an unknown number of dials. Each dial has a weighted effect or a multiplier effect, if you will. Because if you know anything about algorithms or just fancy math equations, is that different variables within the algorithm will be weighted differently. Right. Uh, so. Uh, for example, if you are running uh, track and field, uh, your endurance matters a lot less than your overall speed. Mm-hmm. Endurance still matters. You still need to run, you know, 400 meters or whatever it may be. Right. But if you know, speed's going to matter a lot more in that race compared to cross country, where speed doesn't matter as much. It's going to be weighted much more toward endurance. So mm-hmm. behind each one of these dials is, let's say, a weighted dial. So it might be your score times two. So if you have a three on this dial, it's actually worth a six. Another one is weighted as a one. So if your dial is a five, it's a one. So this is how strong each individual ranking factor is. This is why people say, you know, certain things are more important to do than others. This comes down to the overall weight of that factor. So now what we have is an unknown number of dials. You don't know where your score is on any of these dials. And each of these dials also has an unknown weight attached to it. (laughs) This is like tax law. (laughs) (laughs) So not only is it uh, obscured like this, 
but also Google is constantly sometimes maybe depending on who you ask, adding in new dials, removing dials, tweaking, you know, just how they weigh these dials. So things are more or less important than they used to be. Mm -hmm. And whoever ends up with the highest score shows up first. And this is applied to every time you search something into Google, this calculation is done. This is why you ranks. You're not going to rank perfectly for everything just because you rank well for one thing. So if let's say you're a personal injury lawyer, you might rank number one for personal injury lawyer, but maybe you rank number three for personal injury attorney because you know the dials are different in this case and what you need. Now here's how it gets more complicated. Different industries and different types of searches can have different weights attributed to certain things. For example, how important is it in the medical field for the for the content to be written by someone who understands what they're talking about at a very high level, pretty important. This is where we get into your money, your life type of stuff. If someone's giving out financial advice, someone's giving out uh, you know, medical advice, this is very important that that needs to be um, kind of up to par. If someone's giving you advice on how to uh, you know, vacuum your rug, I don't really care if they give, like if they give you bad advice, you know, you're, your rug is just a little bit more dirty than it should be, right? right? Your house isn't going to explode, right? Someone gives you bad medical advice. That could be the difference between life and death. Someone gives you bad financial advice. That could be the difference between you going bankrupt and not, Mm -hmm. right? So certain things might be more important for certain types of searches. Final thing I'll say on this is also there's something called re-ranking algorithms. What this means is that, okay, great. You go through this process, you have a score. Well, there are certain things that then adjust your score after this. I'm not as well-versed in this, but some things that are, you know, quote unquote, theoretically part of this is uh, if you, there's something called click-through rate, which is the percentage of people who searched who actually click in on your listing. Mm -hmm. How important is that if you're on page five? Not at all. Very few people actually get to that. But if you're one of the top couple listings, well, if Google is seeing that more people are clicking on the number two person than you, that could be an indication to Google that maybe that's actually the better solution for whatever it is that someone's searching for. Mm-hmm. So that might that factor doesn't really matter unless you're already ranking. So that so and a lot of this is tinfoil hat. I'm sure there's plenty of people in the industry that would look at my explanation and go, that's not even close to how it works. There's <laughs> other people that would go, you know, that's too complicated or it's not complicated enough. But that is um, to a certain degree, the complexity of how SEO works and why it's such a black box. Yeah. I, and then so, I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of marketing people. <laughs> I do it here. I've got, I've got my people. I've got people I work with. I've done podcasts and stuff. I don't get it. <laughs> and it's not because I'm not smart enough. It's because it's completely changing all the time. Thank you for like being transparent about that because there's people that like to tra- talk with authority about SEO when it's just like, I don't know, <laughs> are more people clicking on the number two because maybe that's what's going to rank you. That's, yeah, you know. I mean, there, there are some things that historically haven't changed. Title tags mm-hmm. are still important. Links mm-hmm. are still important. There's always, de- I mean, granted, there are some people who say this stuff isn't important, but the fundamentals are there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very easy to think that you know more about how it works than you do. I think it's much more important and you'll do, you'll make it much further in the SEO industry if you never believe that you know how it works. Because <laughs> that, that's the, just kind of the general approach that I've always taken is mm-hmm. that. There's more okay, to learn. Yeah, and people are very bad at changing their minds, but it's something that you've got to be really open-minded about to go, okay, great, here are all these beliefs that I believe and that makes complete logical sense to me. Mm-hmm. And here's something that disproves that okay, maybe I was wrong. And then actually, okay, figure out, you know, were you actually wrong with that? Yeah. 
So I don't that's know. A, it, it's great. <laughs> that's a great metaphor for life, isn't it? <laughs> Especially right now. Yeah, not too bad. You know, and as somebody like who's dealing with the PPP loan situation right now, yeah. where stuff's just literally changing on us daily, I completely understand your pain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was something that uh, even without understanding all the nuances of it, I just saw constantly just be like, yep, okay, great. People have signed up for this. And now after they have already signed these loans, now the government is changing how this works. And I was just looking mm-hmm. at that like, can you do that? I mean, granted, it's the government. They can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. I was like, this this just sounds horrible. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I, I have a whole soapbox <laughs> about it. <laughs> we can talk about that later. Um, awesome. Well, so, you know, what's important for a service-based business to focus on with their marketing efforts? Like, you know, it's their lawyers. We can just do lawyers because I know you work with a lot of those, and it's just probably a little easier to explain. Mm. So, if I had a, so it's a bit, let's do personal injury because I think that they probably do more caseloads than like business lawyers or you know, mm. divorce lawyers or things like that. There's probably just more cases. So, what's important for them and their marketing efforts generally? Because usually they probably work local, locally also. Right. So, at a general marketing stance, mm-hmm. I typically recommend just focus on whatever's going to bring you the highest ROI. Mm-hmm. Not every, sometimes we turn people down because, okay, what we're offering, it's just not right for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's like, okay, great. Well, in, in personal injury, Houston, car accident lawyer, $600 a click for Google ads. Uh, in Las Vegas, it can be 100, 150. In Miami, it can be 300. In parts of Arkansas, it can be like 30 bucks. So the viability of each individual uh, channel is going to be different based on the, you know, where you are. If you're just starting out, stay away from SEO unless you're in a fairly uncompetitive market. New websites, they take a lot longer to get results. Uh, also, you don't have as much cash to invest in this long term. And most often than not, what's going to happen is you're going to work with someone then you're going to stop working with them because you don't get the results you want. You work with someone else. You're not going to get results you want. And then the work that those people actually did starts actually generating results because it takes so long. And then the third person you work with, you're like, wow, this is amazing because you're actually off the back of them. So I focus on what's going to bring you the um, highest ROI. Sometimes that's on Google. Sometimes it's not SEO. I get it. It's the sexy, unknown, you know, mystery uh, marketing channel because everyone's talking about it. Everyone talks about how high the returns can be and that's great, but it's also super competitive. It's also a bit of a black box. It's a, it's a high risk, high reward strategy. Mm-hmm. If you look at something like Google ads, Google ads is very mature. So the pricing tends to be fairly expensive because there's a lot of people using it, but it's pretty reliable. Mm-hmm. If you look at certain marketing channels like Facebook ads, this is one of the reasons why we stay away from Facebook ads and we just partner with people to do it is their platform is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. It's not nearly as mature. So, you know, day by day, what works for you can change, you know, as, as, at a snap. So the first thing at a very high level marketing, kind of getting back to the question is just focus on what's going to get you the highest ROI. Mm-hmm. What's going to get you the highest ROI is going to depend on your situation. How, how, what are your funds? How long has the business been around for? You know, what is, you know, how many case of lawyers, how many cases are you looking at? If you're looking for a case or two here, again, SEO isn't one you want to do because that just basically opens up the floodgates. You get as much as people are searching for. If you're doing something like, uh, for example, criminal defense lawyer uh, came to me, they were in uh, Arkansas, uh, fairly decent uh, cost per click numbers for both personal injury and criminal defense. Those are the two types of cases that they wanted. Brand new firm, they 
they had a basically a default WordPress website, you know, nothing really going for there for them on that front. It would cost them a couple grand to probably get a nice looking website. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're able to get a landing page up fairly quickly, start sending ad traffic to it. All they had to do is invest a couple grand a month. Month one, they were already getting cases because oh, wow. you know, can you get clicks right away, mm-hmm. assuming that your ads actually get approved and whatnot. So yeah, at, at a very high level, it's hard to say much more than just you need to figure out what's going to work best for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but typically, if someone were to, let's say, come to me and say, hey, you know, I want to do this channel or, you know, of what you do, is this viable for you? Uh, those are some of the things I'm looking at is just can you compete in this market? Some t- a personal injury lawyer came to us. They mm-hmm. were in a fairly competitive market, brand new firms. It was like 200 bucks a click. And they said, okay, great. We want to advertise, uh, you know, seven days a week. I said, okay, great. You know, if you're doing that, this is what I would recommend as a minimum clicks. It's going to be like 10, 15 grand just in ad spend alone. If you want to be able to attack, attack this as a, you know, as a strategy, we're going to have enough data to actually know if it's working for you or not, not just like sit there two months waiting to gather data as you, mm-hmm. you know, and whatnot. And it just wasn't a good choice for them because mm-hmm. as a brand new firm, they didn't want to risk, you know, 10, 15 grand a month. So, okay, great. I, this isn't the right strategy for you then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. kind of a high level answer, but <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I think that helps, you know, there's different elements that go into, you know, what is the proper channel or, mm-hmm. you know, what is the proper, you know, depending on the client where they are and what they want and how they're doing things. Um, I would, and I, so we're a boutique, we're a boutique farm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we only work with up to a hundred clients. So, you know, anything I would want would be like one to two clients a month, <laughs> you know? So if you turn on the floodgates, I'm going to be like, Nope, sorry, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I don't want nothing right. to, do, you know, cause only, you know, 1% of these are probably a good fit for us and what we do. Um, so yeah, it would just depend on, but there's a ton of CPAs in Colorado. So, you know, I don't know the paper ad probably, or the paper click is probably not very good. Yeah. Sometimes you'd, be surprised uh, yeah. because there's a with a lot of these channels mm-hmm. it's not just a matter of who's throwing around the most money but also keep in mind while you've heard so many companies getting burned and like spending a lot of money not getting great results or whatever it may be keep in mind your competitors are hiring these same companies as well so sometimes you go in there and yeah so if you look at let's say google's keyword planner it'll give you an estimate of what the cost per click is mm-hmm but that's based on an average of what your competitors are paying. Mm. However, it's not just who pays most on Google. There's also something called a quality score, which then is then uh, compared against what your cost per click is. This creates your ad rank, who has, a, has the highest ad rank, shows up first, and you pay one penny more per... Um, what, so if you're in position two, and you just pay one penny more than what it would take to beat out the person in position three, which isn't necessarily more just one penny more than what they're paying because you have to factor in the quality score. So it's a little bit more complicated than that. Whole other math equation, uh, I'll spare you the details there. But what this means is that if your competitor is, let's say, paying $7 per click and they have a quality score of, let's say, three, and they're showing up, let's say there's only one advertiser that can show up just for the sake of example, you might be able to pay uh, $4 if you have a quality score of 10 and actually show up instead of them. Mm. And it might not be as cheap. It might be like 550 or whatever it may be, but you can beat them on, you know, there are various ways to kind of tackle the market. The only challenge here is it's one of those things that you can't see what your competitor's quality scores are. So until you kind of set up your own account and you see what yours are and you improve mm-hmm. them over time, you're not gonna know uh, for sure. But if you're if you're wondering what channel is the best for you, if, if you either one, if you have an in-house marketing person, it's, that's another thing on, you should set on their plate, hey, figure out what channel is best for us. 
they should be, you know, talking to people, figuring out a high level what's probably best presenting that for you. If you don't, whoever you're talking to, agencies that you're talking to, freelancers you're talking to, they should be walking you through some sort of process to actually figure out what the viability of that channel is for you. Because otherwise, you're going to end up in a situation where you're saying, hey, I have two grand to invest into SEO. They go, okay, great. Give me two grand. And now we're doing two grand month of work without really knowing that two grand is actually going to result in anything. Yeah. So you might be happy to pay that, but you're probably would be happier if you actually got something for that. Well, and you also, you also talked about, you know, you might like people might hop around to different marketing companies Mm -hmm. and then like what the first company doing starts paying off. So some of this is about testing and it's a long game for probably certain, I mean, maybe for some and not for others, because it kind of sounds like it depends, but some of this stuff is really long game, right? So like there has to be testing on like, does this work or does that work? Or is this particular service that wants these particular types of clients? Like we just kind of have to figure out how to get there correctly. All of, all of marketing is testing even within, um, even within something like SEO, Mm -hmm. we, we run tests to see, you know, Sometimes you do something that you've done with every other client that has always worked for them. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, Google's like, yeah, no, it's not going to work with this time around. And you have to figure out, you know, what, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example, we had a client, uh, they, they were actually just happened to be a CPA, but we weren't ranking where we thought we should on Google maps for a specific terms. So what we did on a technical basis is we went through their blog posts. We looked at their internal linking and we redid some of their internal linking. We basically broke out a bunch of spreadsheets to indicate all the changes that we made, where we were ranking. And we tracked that and we saw no changes. And then three weeks later, later, you know, like overnight, sometimes it just switches. So testing is really important. One of the best channels for looking at this is um, typically Facebook ads mm-hmm. because face, on Facebook, you run way more tests than any other channel where if you see a well-built out Facebook campaign. It, you, know, you don't just set up, I think it's a bit of a misconception within the marketing world for business owners who aren't marketing aware is that, mm-hmm. okay, you know, they just know what to do you know, sure, we have the the skills to do, you know, whatever it may be, but we don't necessarily know that this is going to be the best ad copy out of the gate. We we write dozens of ads, we create dozens of creatives, and it's our expertise that creates creatives that we know aren't complete crap, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be your individual market that's going to tell you what's going to work. I can take the same exact creative from a personal injury lawyer in location A, pay copy and paste that to a personal injury lawyer in location B and have a completely different result. You know, not, not a minor result, something where, you know, one of them got a 20% conversion rate with this and the other one got a 3% conversion rate with this. So there's, it's a lot of testing and that's mm-hmm. something that, um, one isn't always communicated properly to the client mm-hmm. and two isn't something that's always properly understood, uh, by the business is that it's not that this channel does or does not necessarily work. You just might not have figured out how to get it to work for you yet. Same thing with like social media. Uh, a lot of people just post whatever they feel like on social media. If you want to do it, you know, quote unquote properly post different types of content, see what gets the most engagement, what gets the most, you know, whatever your thing is and then figure mm-hmm. it out. Okay, great. Your, your audience really likes when you post long form content, then focus on that cut out all those memes that you've been posting that you thought would be cool to post that as in actually getting any um, engagement or whatever it may be. So it's, it's mostly testing. And, you know, like you said, you know, sometimes, sometimes we'll get into an, an ad account that, Hey, we worked with someone for three months. We didn't get whatever it may 
philosophy that we wanted to get out of it. And we're looking at that and we're like, yeah, we, well, you didn't have enough data to actually get that. And within a month, maybe we've actually gotten enough data. Now, now we're actually to make those changes. The client's like, hey, great. You know, you know, the other person we hired was crap. You're really good. And like, no, we probably would have done the same exact thing they did, to be honest. It's just that, yeah. you know, they needed more time. So, and, and at the end of the day, that's on the agency for not, or the freelancer for not communicating that properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, you, you need to go into this expecting that, um, you know, sometimes it's profitable from day one, sometimes it's profitable three months later. Yeah. Whatever it may be, testing is very important. So I think it's important to like, so it's the communication of that upfront. Like this mm-hmm. is not, you know, you know, we do like six months or whatever before, you know, we know. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think that's where it gets very confusing because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I can just turn it up and down. And I'm like, but how did you get to that point? Right. <laughs> right. How does that work? And I know like even with the podcast, like especially when the pandemic happened, like our listen numbers are all over the map. Like they went from like Thursdays to weekends mm-hmm. right now. You know, we're getting most of our downloads on the weekends now, which before we were getting most of them really on the day that the podcast went out, mm-hmm. which is Tuesdays. So it's just very interesting to like to watch those trends and um, my producer tra- tracks all that because I have no idea how any of that works. But, you know, he was kind of messing with like, okay, so people are working from home now and like, so maybe they'll listen later. And so we kind of started putting the podcast out at different times just to kind of see what happened. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's testing. It's taking educated guesses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll be... Uh, Sometimes we'll be working with a client and we'll find something that's super obvious where, for example, we were working with a private practice and we noticed that in of the five or six cities that they were targeting, one of the cities was generating conversions at you know a fraction of the cost of the other cities. Okay, great. So we just, it was, it was in Manhattan where like there's more than enough people to support our clicks and probably our entire budget here. Let's turn off every other city. Let's just run it here. That may change six months from now. And maybe Manhattan becomes a horrible place to run our ads, right? Competition is going to change. Other people could go and figure out the same thing. And then, okay, great. Now everyone's really bullish on Manhattan. And now all these other places where everyone was advertising, no one's advertising anymore. Now we have to switch that. Mm-hmm. Tuesdays could have been a great time for our ads to be posted. And now we're not getting nearly as good a conversion. So, okay, great. Let's turn back on those Thursdays and Fridays that we turned off. See how they, those react again. Oh, wow. Thursdays are really good now. Let's focus on there. It's, it, it's just like Google's algorithm is always changing. Com- competition is always changing. One of your competitors can decide tomorrow, you know what, let's double all of our CPCs and see what happens. You know, uh, they could get a bunch, you know, three new businesses, businesses in your space could open up and they'll become uh, new competitors that are now investing, which is going to drive up your cost, drive down your ROI. And, you know, maybe the viability of this channel isn't going to be there for the next, you know, six months or, you know, whatever it may be, your ROI might go from a 3X down to a 1.5 because these people are spending a stupid amount of money and they're wasting a bunch of money and they're not going to be profitable. And once they run out of funds, they're going to disappear and you're going to be fine again. <laughs> That's why, so this is just kind of all goes back to, and I say this all the time, like you need to have somebody who knows what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of aspects of your business life, right? So I don't know any business owner that's not a marketing person that would understand all this stuff, right? right. Or have the time to do all this testing. Mm-hmm. And that's really where it comes down to. If you want to do marketing, if you want to get this right and you want the best results, you really have to hire somebody who at least understands how to test all this stuff, right? So they need to understand, they understand, at least understand how it works <laughs> or loosely understand how it works. Um, but also understand that it's a long game and, you know, things are going to change and you just, it's not a set it, forget it kind of situation. Yeah. And the, the way that I like to kind of 
pose it back to people when they tend to be in the mindset of, okay, great, this is something you set up once, we're going to run it Mm -hmm. and not have to look at it ever again because we're going to be the best. Well, can't your competitors do that too? Right? So if, if somebody helps you rank number one and you pay them, isn't it logical that some, one of your competitors can pay somebody else to help them now rank number one? And what happens to you then, of course, right? Or that same person. Right. (laughs) So it's not- That same person's just doing one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two. (laughs) Right. So it's not just a, um, you know, something that, um, you know, you can get compliant or even really lazy about, especially if you're number one, that's the biggest mistake people make is that they become number one and then they get lazy thinking that, okay, great, I'm here, I'm going to stay here. And then, you know, they wake up and something has happened as a, as a story of this. This is, um, it's not going to be super applicable to every industry because uh, personal injury is a bit weird where you mm-hmm. can wake up and you can just have like a million dollar case that just happened to call you. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of our clients, they're in a market that is very competitive very competitive. And the person who dominates right now did not dominate a couple of years ago. Uh, a couple of years ago, this was a firm that had a couple of attorneys. They were kind of online. They had some presence, uh, you know, not bad, not great, you know, getting some cases and just kind of, you know, another of the, you know, 30, 50, 70 firms in the area. It's a very condensed area. So there's a lot of different firms there, just, to, you know, kind of like another firm. Mm-hmm. And they got a very large case. I don't know exactly how much it was worth, but this is just from hearing right from their competitors about what happened with this firm. And they didn't just go, okay, great. Here's all this money. Great. You know, here, let's throw a party. Let's, you know, give myself a, you know, let's buy myself a new Lamborghini or whatever it may be. Um, they said, okay, great. Let's get the best website possible. Let's get the best content possible on this website. Let's invest in the best SEO company that we can possibly find. Unfortunately, it wasn't us that was hired. It was another company, mm-hmm. um, but they have invested very bullishly on their marketing. They have, within a couple of years, they are now so far ahead of the local competition that it's, unless someone's looking to put up serious money, you're very unlikely. Or if these guys start using illicit strategies that end up knocking them down just because of the way that search works, then these guys are very unlikely to be beaten any anytime soon and they probably know that they're they're spending a good amount of money i can see looking at their site that if if an article comes out today that talks at like 10 a.m that talks about this new strategy that you can try on seo that seems to be working probably by 11 30 it's been implemented on their site it they're very fast on it stuff that i'm like oh wow almost a lot of people are lazy in the seo space um the companies themselves for various reasons. That's a whole other dis- discussion. But typically, if something comes out today, people start implementing it you know, 6, 12, 24 months from now. So it's very rare to see companies that are actually on top of it. But they mm-hmm. are so on top of it that basically your chances of beating them is either do what they just happen to get, get lucky with a case that's going to give you the funds to really compete against them mm-hmm. or invest a serious amount of money for a serious amount of time and hope that they get lazy because if they don't, they're number one right now. They're getting the most amount of cases. They keep reinvesting what they're making from these cases into their SEO and their overall online marketing. They go, okay, great. Our content is converting or websites converting at 20%. How do we get that 22%? Our intake team is converting 30% of phone calls into cases. How can we get that to 35%? They're looking at it and going, okay, great. Our profit margins are 40%. How can we get that to 42.5%? You're just simply not going to beat them. So you have two options, either one, become that competitor in your market because in most markets that person doesn't exist yet mm-hmm. there most markets there isn't that person that has you know that is kind of the goliath of it or 
you either become that or you wait for someone to do that. And then you basically sit there and go, oh, well, I probably should have done that. So, you know, a lot of people, okay, great. The number one, okay, what's next? Well, your website kind of sucks. You should upgrade that. It's not even something we do. It's just, okay, great. Hire someone to do that. You know, we'll, we'll facilitate it. If it's a client of ours, you know, we'll talk to them because we can talk to them at a technical level, but also like, okay, great. Your content was written by your sister's son who was going, who is an English major. Okay, great. Well, the content isn't sales copy. Mm-hmm. What about these sales writers who actually understand psychology, who are going to write uh, an incredibly uh, emotional piece of content that's going to connect with someone that's going to make them want to specifically hire you. Sure, it's going to be expensive, but it doesn't matter what the price is if the ROI is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Some are the top writers that will connect clients with, they charge $1,500 for a single page. However, if that $1,500 helps you make an extra five grand a year in profit and you can use that content for the next three to five years, okay, great. No other, com- how many other your competitors are actually going to invest in that? Yeah. Maybe one if you're lucky, oh, if you're unlucky, rather. <laughs> so, yeah, and just, there isn't yeah. a life. Yeah, I think, and I think that's probably very true. I mean, unless we're dealing with like big firms, but even they just, they just go off their names a lot of time. Like, especially if we're dealing with like a nice CPA space, right? There's probably not a lot of people out there like hiring content writers and things like that. I mean, we're in the middle of a whole new website rebrand situation mm-hmm. right now. We're putting the CPA firm and the podcast together. Mm-hmm. I hired somebody. I was like, I need you to do my strategy and my content and just go. <laughs> like, just go. Because I can't, I don't want to do it anymore because I didn't do it right. 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 Um, don't ask me to do content. I don't write things. I do bullet points. Okay. <laughs> if you want me to write something for content, it's going to be bullet points. <laughs> I'm the same way. Yeah. So it's just important to get the right person and the right people in there. Again, it just all comes back to like, this isn't set up for that stuff. Right. Yeah, if you want to like, if you want to kick ass and you want to be number one, especially in a really competitive space, you have to have tired those people that are on top of stuff. That's yeah, gonna, sure. And that costs money yeah. to have and, people uh, that responsive. Yeah, and for and for clarification, you don't have to be, you know, it's not just the law firms that can make like a million dollars in a case they just happen to get. It can be any sort of industry. Um, the point uh, that I was trying to make there is just invest and reinvest. That's another thing that people just don't, that mm-hmm. I often don't see people do is, okay, great. You're spending a dollar to make five. Let's spend 10 to make 50. Let's spend a hundred to make five hundred. Let's spend a thousand to make five thousand. And the overall ROI percentage may go down. Maybe you spend a thousand to make forty five hundred. Your ROI percentage goes down, but your overall volume goes up. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing is you know how you know you should always be looking at where your weaknesses are, and then focusing on improving them. Just like when I was talking about with the you know what marketing channel is going to be best for you, look at what marketing channel is weakest for your competitors. So for example, in the CPA space, I'm not in it very often, but the one thing I always notice when I'm in that space is that the websites are almost always horrible, that they haven't been updated in forever. Uh, Probably I'm going to go off a whim here, but I'm assuming it's because most of these businesses are very referral based, that their web presence doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. You know, when you work with someone on a yearly basis, it's, it's a pain to move to a different accounting. I've done it twice, right? You have to figure out your systems. You have to figure out everything. There's so many questions. It's, it's a pain. So uh, you know, it just becomes a lot less important. And then all it takes is maybe not even that great of a website to already be the most, not just the most easy to look at and the best looking because that's going to be, you know, mm-hmm. beauties in the eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. but the most functional, the easiest to actually see the 
the, okay, how much is it going to cost you to do our bookkeeping? Well, maybe you actually have an internal calculation that you use. Okay, great. Put that calculator on your website mm -hmm. and now people can actually interact with that website. Now you have a calculator. That's how you determine like your bookkeeping fees or how much it's going to cost you to do, you know, whatever it may be, or, um, what is, you know, uh, you know, what is the overall weakness of people? You know, if, okay, nobody in your local market is producing informational content about finances, mm -hmm. well, guess what? Finances are scary for most people. That was one of my biggest concerns when I got into businesses. I don't know how to allocate all these expenses. I don't know how mm -hmm. to classify any of this, even before I was able to hire an accountant. But if somebody was there who I, who's there, who's the, who was there was like, okay, great. Here's how to use QuickBooks. Here's how to, here's how to, uh, here's who you need to issue a 1099 to. Mm -hmm. Here's who you need to, um, you know, send a W9 to, or who should be requesting a W9 for you. Here's, mm -hmm. you know, okay, great. Here's your 1099K, you know, for your partnerships, or here's when you should move into getting, a, you know, should you be an LLC? Should you have your S select or whatever mm -hmm. maybe? Like these are so many questions that I had that there are so many things out there. But if you become the, uh, you know, the authority in it, at the end of the day, it just levels you up. Branding is also very important. Okay, great. Now you're going to local meetup groups, and you know you're you're there as the accounting person. And when people have questions, you're like, oh. I have, a, I have a 15 minute video on that, right? I don't have to waste your time with this. Here's an interactive video that you can go watch on YouTube. Okay, great. Now listen to that. And now more and more people know your name. And guess what also happens? This can also help you with your SEO. Why? Mm. You rank number two, but I know I know her name. I've heard of her before. I'll click on her instead. Yeah. But if you didn't appear there, maybe we'll just click on a competitor. So it's... As, I'm sure that was a that was a lot right there, but no, it's and it's it goes back to and because I talked to my my marketing person all the time, he's like, you have so much content. <laughs> you know, that's the thing they love about like any any marketing person I talk to because they're like, you're a CPA with a weekly podcast. Holy crap! <laughs> you know, they're like, usually the fight mostly with CPAs is actually creating content, right? So um, yeah, it's just and especially like and I always say this like we work with women on veterinary and veterinary and dental clinics hmm. and there's a lot of parallels between the accounting the, the accounting industry and the veterinaries but you know you're right like there's a lot of websites that haven't been updated there's a lot of places where you can't go get really good information or learn about their process or you know do anything like that because it's really just a lot of old white dudes still working in the businesses but that's going to change really soon and that's not what people are looking for you know, they're looking for, can I order my stuff online? Or, you know, can I go to, especially for like the veterinary, can it's like, can I do my animals pharmacy stuff on your website? Mm. Or do you have a link where I can go do that? You know, because people really just, they want to do it. They want the easy button, right? right. And they're going to go to the person who is the easy button. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of businesses right now are set up for just bottom of the funnel which means people who are already ready to make a decision right mm. of going back to you know people that have really bad websites is because those websites are mainly just so that they own their domain so that someone who already knows that they want to work with them it's like oh yeah that's their address that's their phone number uh, well what about the people who know that they need your solutions but are still looking at you and your competitors what about people who have no idea if this is right for them and they're just looking for general information right so this is a example i say all the time that i'm i haven't seen anybody do it yet but for just an idea uh, family lawyers. There's a lot of people who don't want to pay a lawyer. Okay, great. Create a DIY divorce course and mm -hmm. charge someone $500 for it. So they want to DIY their own divorce. Great. If they really can't afford a lawyer, 
then you know you were the person to go to for that DIY divorce course. If they do it themselves, very obviously with all the legal, like, hey, we're not, this doesn't create attorney-client relationship and all that other kind of stuff. But okay, great. They figure out just how complicated it is. Well, guess what? They can hire you and you'll charge them your own rate minus $500. So that course didn't cost them anything. Right. Right. So there's, <laughs> okay, great. Now, now you are now making money off of people who are specifically trying to hire someone for free. Okay. Who else in your marketplace is doing that? Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> it makes so much sense. Who else is going to, um, you know, a local, you know, women's center meetup, whatever it may be and going, Hey, you know, if you do have this challenge, well, we have, a we have training materials on how to navigate these family law issues and the, how child custody works or, you know, how the, you know, whatever it may be. And here's our divorce course. If you are, you know, low on funds. Okay, great. One, that will probably have you way more known in the community. Mm-hmm. Two, with all those free resources, that's probably pretty easy for you to get local press as well. Uh, three, also, it's another revenue stream for those people that do have the funds that thought that they could do it from themselves and they go, oh, wow, this is actually really more complicated. And now you're able to attack a market that nobody else is going to attack. And if you get in on that, creating courses is a lot of work. Probably going to take you six to 12 months. Yeah. So you know that even if you're, all your competitors go, wow, that's really cool. I want to do that too. You probably have six to 12 months to At make least. yours way better. <laughs> yeah. If not, I mean, yeah, because let's be real. They're going to go, oh, that's a stupid idea. 12 months later, they're going to go, oh, it actually seems to be working out for them. Six months after that, they're going to go, oh, we should start looking into that. Six months after that, they start working on it and 90% of them won't make it to the end. Yeah. No, because it's a lot of work. I'm in the process of outlining one myself right now. And it's just, it's just overwhelming amount of work, <laughs> especially for us, like highly detailed people. <laughs> Cause it's like, what do we need to do? That's just high level. Right. Um, awesome. All right. Um, before I ask my last question, uh, where is the easiest way for people to find you? Sure. So the easiest way to find me is at team T E A M blue mm-hmm. dog dot com depending on when this goes live depending on when you try to visit the website it may redirect because we're currently going through a rebranding uh, mm-hmm. to over to comet fuel so um, depending on so if you even go there if the rebrands are done it'll automatically redirect you okay but, uh, i invite you to come and uh, check out some of our content we have a couple of free tools for people if you're interested on the seo front mm-hmm. a keyword research automation sheet on the Google ads front, we have a PPC lead generation calculator that kind of walks through what you might be able to expect from a Google ads campaign. Feel free to check that out. And if you want to take the conversation further, feel free to reach out. Awesome. And we'll drop all the links in the description box. Emily does that for us because she's amazing. Um, So in your opinion, what is the number one thing a business should do today to grow, um, to grow their reach? So the number one thing I always recommend for people is back to one of the biggest mistakes that people make. And this is something that I talk about. If you look at the other shows that I've been on, mm-hmm. I talk about this very heavily is mm-hmm. really setting up all your tracking. Mm-hmm. So you know, okay, great. Somebody, and I'll go this, through this very quickly for the sake of time. Mm-hmm. Somebody clicks from your Google ad onto your landing page. That's built in tracking. You can already see that through Google Analytics, Google ads, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Somebody converts, have your form tracking set up have it set up and you can Google how to have it set up with UTM codes. So you can actually see the traffic source that they came in from as a form field, set up something like call rail. So you can see where your calls came from, the actual source that they came from, have that feed into your CRM. Now your CRM is telling you not only how many new contacts you have, but where those contacts came from. 
your CRM, depending if you use it on one if you have a different system for this. If you also track, okay, great. How many of those people actually turned into customers as clients and how much did those customers as clients pay us? And you track that over the historical period of them being, you know, from the first transaction they ever had with you to the last transaction they ever had with you, you'll know exactly how much each of these channels are worth. Combine that. And it sounds complicated, the tracking for most of this stuff, a lot of it, if you're using any common platforms like Salesforce, uh, Infusionsoft, things like that, it's generally out of the box, like one-click integration, Zapier, again, super easy setup for most of this stuff. Again, just Google it and most of the time you'll be able to figure it out. If not, there are plenty of people that are automation experts that you can just hire, give them like 20, 50 bucks and they can set up for you. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. Next is when you have that tracking set up or in conjunction or while you're waiting for it, whatever it may be, actually outline. Okay, great. How much traffic are we getting? If, let's say we're doing online stuff. How much is it costing us? What is our conversions? What is our conversion rate? When people uh, you know, call in from us, what percentage of the time do we actually close them? When they do close them, what is our lifetime value? Uh, you know, what is our profit margins and focus on optimizing each of those different areas. The reason being is at the end of the day, that determines how much your business will profit at the end of the day, um, mm. not to be redundant there. Uh, so if you, you can turn spending a dollar on Google ads and getting a $5 in return from mm. spending a dollar and getting $15 in return. Why? Because you did things like once a quarter, uh, record all your internal calls and review them. Okay, great. Why is our sales team winning certain calls or in intake team and losing certain ones as well? What can we do to overall improve? What courses can we take in terms of improving our overall systems processes and ter in terms of improving our overall close rates? Okay, great. How can we improve our overall customer lifetime value, retain them for more, charge them more? Uh, how can we reduce our overall expenses, sit down with your accountant team, so on and so forth? You do a couple of those things, which most people ignore. Uh, mostly because people think that they're the best at everything that they do. You know, you don't get into business for yourself, not having some sort of ego, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause you, most people get into business cause they think they could do it better than whoever was paying them to do it beforehand. Mm -hmm. So uh, most, a lot of people that I talk to, nope, we close everyone that comes to us. Nope. We, we charge as much as we possibly can. Nope. Our profit margins are as good as they can, can be. That's just not the case. So when most, when you do figure that out, it helps you become that Goliath a lot easier when you turn it, going from a dollar to a $5, which may be what most people are in your area doing because everyone focuses on improving trafficking conversions. When you actually focus on your sales rate, lifetime value, your overall um, profit margins, et cetera, you turn that $1 into 17. It's a lot easier to be a lot more aggressive. It's a lot easier to make bigger plays. It's a lot easier to spend more per click and get a lot more volume out of that. Um, most people just don't do that. Tracking is the answer. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, no worries whatsoever. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, or wherever you prefer to listen. If you learned something and found some useful information to apply to your business today, please consider giving us a thumbs up and a review. Until next week, be abundant. Be abundant.